Hello ladies and gents and welcome to the latest Q&A in the Full and Focus series. My name's Danny Boyer and it's my pleasure to say joining me today to talk about his time at Fulham is our former striker and now public relations director for Skybet, Dale Tempest. Dale, thank you for joining me. How are you doing mate? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, great to come on and uh, say what a time to be uh, talking about Fulham again, eh? It was amazing, mate. You know, I never thought I'd see Fulham at Wembley, but um, I know you're on your way to work now, so we've, we've got all the time in the world to talk about Fulham being back in the Premier League. I'm sure we'll catch up soon on that. But if it's all right with you, I've done my own work. I've got lots of questions to ask you about your career, so I'm just going to crack straight on with the first one, if that's all right with you. Yeah, great. All right, good stuff. So... When you was growing up as a kid, was there a football club that you supported and, and did you always want to be a footballer? Um, yeah, I was a mad Leeds United fan. I was born in Leeds, my dad was a Leeds season ticket holder. Um, yeah, that was my club. I remember crying when they lost in Bayern Munich, that dodgy referee in 74. Um, but I moved around the country with my family and dad's work and I ended up down in London. I lived in Bracknell, so that's where I got spotted by Fulham. And ended up going Fulham youth team, playing, you know, eventually as apprentice uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, Leeds United were my team, but but not anymore. I, I played at Ellen Road a couple of times in the 80s, and it was a horrible experience for my parents and my wife who went to the game. The way fans in those days got shoved, basically within a group of about 100 coppers around them, and that was it. Uh, there was no boxes, there was no anything else like that. So. Uh, yeah, didn't have a great experience of going to Ellen Road when I played there. Oh, that's a shame to hear. I mean, I mean that Bayern Munich game, that's the one they always go on about. They reckon they won the European Cup, don't they? That's, uh, they're still singing now at Ellen Road, as, as you, I'm sure you're aware, champions of Europe. Yeah, no, they still sing it. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, they never were. There's nothing to do with it. Did you have any role models growing up? Like Ruth Van Nistelrooy. Well, something like that. I think he was a bit better than me. But uh, yeah. <laughs> old man's Gary Lineker probably was the best description. I mean, for Fulham fans of a certain generation, they'll know Alan Clark really well because he played for Fulham before he went to Leeds, and they absolutely love him. So I'm not surprised. He's actually regarded as arguably our greatest ever striker um, for his ability. So good choice. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. It's certainly a different game now, that's for sure. It's funny, I was chatting to Leg Strong up at the Sunderland game, and uh, this is, obviously it was a terrible result for uh, for Fulham, and we were chatting away, 
And Ray said to me, he said, God, it's boring, isn't it? It just goes sideways all the time. <laughs> and watch some old games of ours. And they've got every ball goes forward. You watch it for 20, there's never a sideways pass. Never goes back to the keeper. It goes forward every time. Um, just a very different game, that's for sure. No, definitely a different game. Right, so you joined Fulham. Fulham was your first club. How did you get the opportunity? Because obviously you were born and lived in Leeds. So how did it end up at Fulham, Sanja? Yeah, I was, I was basically, my family had moved down to um, Bracknell in Berkshire when I was about 11. And I went to a school called Garth Hill. And I was playing, I ended up playing for the sort of county, or East Berkshire as it was known. I was there at East Berkshire, Newbury, Reading, four different areas of Berkshire. And I basically playing for them under-14s, and a Fulham scout just picked me up after a game, asked if I'd come down to Fulham training. Um, and even at 14, I went down, and that, that 14 was uh, Paul Parker, Dean Coney, uh, Jim Stannard, all those guys um, who became sort of stalwarts in the, uh, the Fulham side for many years going forward. Uh, they were the under-14 squad that I ended up joining. And then I obviously became an apprentice. Got my first opportunity when Malcolm McDonald was manager. Um, and then just took it from there. So, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up at Fulham, which, uh, yeah, a bit round the houses, but got there in the end. And was there anyone in the first team that you looked up to? Or anyone that took you under their wing? Um, not particularly, no. There was um, the whole squad. We had such a strong youth side. I had a lot of good friends from that. Um, the older players, you had Gailey, who was permanently taking the piss out of everybody. You just try to avoid him permanently because you didn't want him taking the piss out of you today. Roger Brown was a, was a sort of hero of mine, I think, as a youngster growing up. You know, if you weren't doing it, Roger would put you up against the wall. He had that ability just in the way he performed and everything about him. He was a man's man. And as a youngster, sort of trying to make your way in football, you know, the technique side and this, that and the other. But you learn from people like Roger, you know, it, it was about turning up to training and every game being completely committed to what you were going to do. Um, so Roger's the, the one player who, as a person, yeah, I just love the guy. He was a hero of mine and uh, so sad that we uh, lost him way too young. Absolutely. Um, my mum and dad went to the night they held for him when he was still alive, when he was obviously ill. I, I was there as well. Um, it, it, it was. I mean, we lost him not long after that, didn't we? Was, I don't think any of us quite realised just how ill he was at the time, because he always put on a brave smile and everything. And uh, yeah, gaily and strongy, taking the piss out of him. Still remember now, it brings a smile to my face thinking about it. The most iconic photograph. I would say Fulham's ever had is him after the Lincoln game with a cigarette in his hand. Yeah, that's right, yeah. There's that one and the one on the balcony, which I think he's there. There's Ray Lou, Robert Wilson, I think myself, Dean Coney, a few others, all up on the cottage, on there with the champagne. That, that, that's uh, my favourite one. But yeah, I remember that one with Roger when he's banging his hand. <laughs> he's an absolute star. and He actually managed me at Colchester. What was that like? Ah, it was fun. I mean, it, it was a difficult one. We, they got rid of Mick Walker and we were top of the league when they got rid of Mick Walker. So it was an impossible situation for Roger to come into because it could only go one way. And it didn't really work out for him. But um, it didn't change anything to how I 
regarded him. He was all, always will be a hero of mine. No, good stuff. So, before we move on to the Lincoln game, so I know you was involved in that, we'll start with your debut. So you made your first appearance as a sub away at Burnley. And then, yeah. a season later, you make your first start again away at Burnley. I mean, I don't know if you was aware of that, but that's a weird coincidence. Yeah, no, I, I know that 100%, yeah. Uh, what happened, basically, I, I was subbed away at Burnley. We were 3-0 down with five minutes to go. Malcolm McDonald said, go on, right, get yourself, well, you're going on. So I went on. Funnily enough, I should have scored. Jim started a long kick. I went round the keeper and slid it towards the goal, and Brian Laws kicked it off the line. And so I should have scored and made it 3-1. But I ended up with a, an injury, which wasn't really an injury. I had a virus in one of my nerves, um, and I couldn't literally stand up. It might sound ridiculous, but if you put a line down, so right, put one foot in front of the other, I could not do it. I brain scanned everything and thought I had a problem. They found out a virus on one of my nerves, so I was out literally for a year, just on the injured list. Uh, John Clinkard, he was a physio at the time. I spent pretty, pretty much nine months with John. And then I got back to the first team squad. And as you say, ironically, my first full start was away at Burnley and uh, we drew 2-2. Going back to like your injury, because um, I would imagine at the time it wasn't like a, anyone to do with psychology or anything like that at the club. How did you cope with that? You probably needed a few to be fair when you came on against Lincoln because you had to replace Les Strong and that must have been weird because it was an unfamiliar position. What do you remember of that game? Because obviously that's the game where we got promoted. So, what was what was the uh, feeling was, like? Um, I remember being absolutely shit scared every time I got the ball, thinking, "Don't fuck up, don't make a mistake. Just make sure you get rid of it. You know, find a find a white shirt and get rid of it." 
Um, and so basically I just did that. I was tight. I made tackles. I blocked everything I could. Yeah, I was just high on energy through the whole game. Just never relaxed. We went 1-0 up. They equalised, but they were down to 10 men. With the last 10 minutes, the longest 10 minutes of my life, I can assure you, even now, it's just a, it was just a complete blur. Um, but the relief when that whistle went, oh, phenomenal. Um, yeah, one of the best nights uh, of my life, that was. And what was your relationship like with Malcolm McDonald and, and Ray Harford? Because you, you were quite young in the first yeah. team, weren't you? Yeah, Ray Harford was our youth team coach. But people generally forget that pretty much the club became bankrupt overnight. So all the senior pros left. And that's the only reason our youth team became the first team. People think, oh, they must have been so good that they all got the team. Absolute rubbish. Paul Parker would have never got a game in the first team to be Campbell. Never. I don't care what anybody said. We were, the whole lot of us, were just, none of us had been near the, almost the reserves, never mind the first team. But, as soon as that happened, all the senior pros left. Malcolm came in and he went, right, this is the team, youth team, straight in. He went with our sort of enthusiasm because Ray knew he had a very good youth team. And I suppose you throw everybody in the deep end, everybody swam. All of us took to it. Then we had, obviously, the experience of Roger Brown and Gailey was there. And then brought in people like Kevin Locke, Ray Houghton, Peter O'Sullivan. Um, and then that combined with Jeff Hopkins, Paul Parker, Dean Coney, um, Peter Scott, all those lads, myself. That's how it all came about. There was nobody sat there watching the youth team going, these are brilliant, we've got to put them in the first team. It was a complete fluke. And you need that luck when you're going to get your chance as a player. And we certainly had it. Talk about fate. Like Paul Parker went on to play for England and Man United. Oh, absolutely. Paul was about two foot two when he was in the youth team. Remember, they had his legs measured to see how tall he was going to be because they thought he'd never make a player if he wasn't going to grow. So the, the idea that Paul's there at 16 and he's so good that he was obviously going to make the first team is absolute rubbish. So did you have any interaction with Bobby Campbell whatsoever? Yeah, yeah, Bobby like did the first team. You know, we, we were like the youth team, the reserves and stuff. So we were just with whoever it was, Ray Harford, I think it was at the time. It, it wasn't a case that Bobby put us in the first team, definitely not. And what, what was your relationship like with, with all your managers? I mean, Bobby Campbell yeah, and then... It was good. I, I got on great with... Um, I, I, say I was very young, so I didn't really know Bobby. I'd signed forms and that, but I didn't really know him. You basically just kept your head down and hope, hopefully the manager never talked to you because usually you were getting a bollocking if you were getting talked to when you were an apprentice. So you kept out of the way as much as you could. But all my managers, I think I've gone on well with... Um, yeah, over the years, Ray Harford, Mick Buxton up at Huddersfield. Uh, but of course, I, I went to Hong Kong when I was 24 and was there for nine years. So uh, I didn't have the longest career in the UK. I think it was about 150 games, something like that. Yeah, no, I've, I've got a few questions to ask you about your move to Hong Kong, actually. But um, got a couple more to ask you about your time at Fulham. What was your favourite match in a Fulham shirt? Favourite match in a Fulham shirt? Um, yeah, it'll be... Leeds at home. It was one of my first games. Or I'd only just sort of got in and I hadn't played many sort of from the start. And we played Leeds at home. Leeds being my boyhood club. All my family were there. And I scored the winner. 
one nil down and uh, there was a penalty I got brought down Kevin Locke scored the penalty and then seem to remember Gailey crossed one for me um, and I scored about five ten minutes from the end I've still got the picture at home of me uh, celebrating that that, that was uh, that was yeah very special that when you're young you remember things like that and would that be your favourite goal as well yeah probably where I sort of thought yeah I, I can do it at this level yeah I've scored in a huge match coming from behind you know against the top top team I'm, I'm good enough because lack of self confidence is a huge issue when you're a youngster you know you're just hoping you can be good enough and not embarrass yourself almost kids seem to come through these days with complete arrogance about how good they are. Uh, I certainly wasn't like that. It was a case of, oh, I just hope I'm okay here, and you run around causing a, a nuisance. But when you actually score the winning goal, it takes you mentally and your confidence level to another sort of platform. Um, and that's where I was probably from after that game. It made me realise, yes, I'm, I was good enough to be in that squad and the team. Do you think that goal had a big impact on the future of your career? Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one because I remember having a long chat with Malcolm McDonald after he'd left the club. Ray Harford was manager and I was offered a new contract. Um, I was sort of in the squad, but I wasn't playing. Um, you know, I wasn't in the first team or first, on the first 11. I remember Malcolm saying to me, you've got to get away somewhere and play 100 games, 150 games, because until you do, you'll never know your level. And he was 100% right about that. You know, you, you can mess about in a squad, but the reality, you've got to play games and you find out if you're good enough for what level. I was never good enough for the very top because I had no pace. I was always pretty slow. But I'd say I was just, I caused a nuisance wherever I went and I had the knack of finding the back of the net. So that's what sort of kept me in good stead more than anything. Is that the reason why you left in the end? Because you wasn't getting enough game time? Yes. Absolutely, that was, that was the main reason. And were there any other options, or, or was it a no-brainer going back to Yorkshire with um, Huddersfield? Um, yeah, well, Huddersfield were in the um, you know the championship as it was or is now, and they were uh, a decent side. It wasn't particularly going back to Yorkshire because my family at the time weren't there. But Mark Lillis, who was their main striker, had just had a, a bad injury, so I was going to go straight into their first team. You know, I went on loan, I think, for a month. And I think I, I scored three goals in the first five games. Um, I think total distance, about six yards, but nobody's bothered about that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, so they, they then signed me, and I think I, it went to tribunal, and I went for 25 grand or something like that, 15, 20 grand or something. Bargain, mate. Absolute bargain. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think so at the time. Well, um... At Fulham, who were your closest friends? Dean Cody. Yeah? Do you still keep oh, in touch? Dean Cody was my, my best mate. Um, I still get to see the lads, the, the dicks. Like, um, I, I see him three or four times a year and stay in touch. So, yeah, Dix is, uh, he, he, he would be my, my sort of best mate at the time there. But they, they were a good bunch of lads, as I say. When, you, when we had our, our like a Fulham reunion earlier on this year, which Terry Mancini arranged, um, it's just it's just like walking back into the dressing room. Nothing, it's just hilarious, you know, all, all the lads are just taking the mickey as ever they were. Nothing's really changed. You do get that kind of vibe from Fulham. Do you, did you have that at your other clubs as well, or is it different at Fulham? Uh, no, Fulham, Fulham, 
that sort of vibe. Although I did have a lot of friends from Huddersfield. Fulham was the. I think when you grow up, that bit where you're all cutting your teeth, you know, and it's quite raw as apprentices. Um, you, you make your. It's a bit like going to uni. I think you probably make your strongest friends at uni rather than school because that's the bit where the real world starts hitting you and it gets tougher. So your, your friends from your apprentices days are, are probably your friends for life. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. So, um, Fulham, Huddersfield, a little spell at Gillingham and Colchester, either side of going to Belgium. And then you make the massive move to go to Hong Kong. Well, what made you make that decision? And how did you find settling into a whole new culture? It was a decision that was easy to make, actually, because I was bankrupt. You won't remember the time, 15% interest rate, and the rest, you know, I had a mortgage, I was playing at Colchester, and I got a free transfer, I think I had about seven, eight grand's worth of debt, I couldn't afford my mortgage every month, I was struggling, got a free, and I was offered, um, Stockport offered me two grand signing on, and I think it was 300 quid a week, for to sign at Stockport, and Hong Kong came in, the team in Hong Kong, and I got 10 grand, basically tax free for going, so, that's the only reason I, I basically took it, because uh, I could pay off all my debts, rent my house out for a year, and I thought, right, we'll start again in a year's time. So I went for a year, and uh, yeah, ended up staying nine. Uh, but the brutal truth of it is I had no other choice. You know, you get shit kicked out of you in the conference for 200, 300 quid a week was my option, or I go to Hong Kong and try and make a new life and pay off my debts. Um, and that's, that's really why I went. I admire your honesty, and uh, you know I've, I think anyone in that position would have done exactly the same thing. Everybody looks at football now, which is flush with cash and stuff like that, you know, and it just wasn't like that. You literally were surviving as a player in the lower leagues. That's the truth of it. Um, and as I say, I've always been honest. Whatever I say about my time in football, but uh, yeah, that's why I went. No other reason. Well, I mean, you, you obviously work for Sky Bet now, so um, what odds are you going to give me on, on you staying there for, for nine seasons and being the top goal scorer five years in a row? It is funny, you know, I, I don't think any club I've ever played at I was at for more than, other than Fulham, for more than two years. Um, I don't know, I, I used to, ended up sort of falling out with managers. Even in Hong Kong, I moved around clubs a few times. So, yeah. I love what I do now. I've been doing this for 16 years. I always had an, an interest in betting, even when I was an apprentice. We used to have 10 pence Yankees watching the racing when we were cleaning the boots. Me and Dean Cody used to do that. So that, that was something that, you know, I've, I've always had an interest in. And the, the company I'm with, Skybet, I joined 16 years ago. There was 30 of us, and we were a tiny company, losing money. Um, there's 1,400 of us now. And we've just been sold for uh, a lot of money to a Canadian company. So uh, my my philosophy is I keep turning up until they tell me not to bother. And that's what I'll keep doing. That's a good philosophy, mate. Go, going back to your your uh, spell in China, how would you rate the, the standard of football at the time? Very poor. I mean, Hong Kong, the standard was awful, truth be told. It wasn't great. It would be conference but without the physicality uh, maybe maybe lower than that but the good standard of living you know there was only two foreigners allowed per team 
when I joined, and luckily for me, it's a bit like Scotland. There was Rangers and Celtic, then the rest, and I fortunately signed for Celtic. So we were favourites to win the league, which we did, five years and all the rest of it. So it was just right place, right time. Um, got on with the Chinese lads, uh, to go gambling with them, go horse racing with them, and really got on well with them. So, uh, yeah, we, we used to have some fun. Uh, but the foreign players came and went. Six months was probably the average most people lasted, a year max. Uh, and I ended up doing nine and playing in the World Cup for Hong Kong national team back in 98 when we played in qualifiers against Thailand and South Korea. I love how you compared football in China to football in Scotland. I know, I know it wasn't meant like that. You meant because of um, Rangers and Celtic. But, um, you know, I, I, I'll take what I can that's, from that's, that. That's the sort of, yeah, that's the way it sort of was. I mean... The thing is, Hong Kong had its own professional league, you see, which was very small. I mean, in the big games, you'd have 40,000. Absolutely, you know, with the main, against the main side. But against the smaller teams, you probably have eight to 10,000. So there's a huge interest uh, locally. Because in China, obviously, they were still closed off. It wasn't until 97, the handover, which the Chinese league started and then started developing and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, we'd go off and play. Our owner in Hong Kong of South China, my club, he owned the Marlborough franchise for cigarettes in China. So we'd be taken off. Well, we must be in China probably three times a month going off to different places to play local teams because South China were regarded as the biggest club in Hong Kong by far. And we'd go off and play these friendlies, then come back because there's only... 10 teams in the league and we only played each other twice so it wasn't like it was a busy season and we had the same time frame August round to May that the English season had oh really oh wow a lot of um, training and sitting around yeah a lot of training well we're just travelling and then the Asian Cup started which was great so I ended up playing in Japan quite a bit and then when I got my 7 years nationality I played for the Hong Kong national team um, and then so we travelled around playing a lot of Asian qualifier games and all sorts of stuff. What was that like? I mean, that must have been incredible. It was bizarre, because if you played rugby, you qualified after three months when you worked for the Hong Kong Bank. Um, if you played football, they were determined it was full seven years. So I, I'll never forget it. I, we played Thailand at home, uh, which is a full house, and we won 3-2, which was fantastic. And then we played South Korea away in Busan. And South Koreans weren't having it that this white guy, you know, English, could come and play. So they, they had my passport there. They wanted my passport from when I first arrived in Hong Kong seven years previous, all these sort of things. And I'll never forget because it was close to handover. And before the game, they played the national anthem. And I was the only person in the whole of the stadium it had any significance to even the Hong Kong players. That In Hong Kong, they were playing the Chinese national anthem six months, 12 months before the actual handover in 97 took over. So I'm stood there, and it was like almost like an Olympic athlete. I was near to tears. You know, you're middle of nowhere, the only person, this national anthem of the Union Jack went up, singing it at the top of my voice I was. Um, and I looked a bit of a fool on centre circle uh, <laughs> but there you go and, uh, yeah but then we lost 4-0 in the game never had a kick I don't think I got out of my own half for South Korea strong side back then uh, but yeah I, I dumped a bit I, I played in the World Cup all the matches 
And you also scored two goals during your international career. Who were they against? Well, the, the thing was, the international career, I, I played uh, many games against different teams, Indonesia and Bali, like China, but they'd all be friendly. Um, but I, I also, they had an inter-port team, so the Hong Kong team would be allowed to play three foreign players against Shanghai, Beijing, all the big teams from China. So I was playing against them all the time. I remember the best uh, result we had there, we went to Shanghai. You might remember a player called Fan Ziyi played for Crystal Palace and Man City, and he came over. He was their captain, was Fan. Uh, he was a good player, a bit of a beast he was. Uh, but we went up there, got a nil-nil draw and beat them on penalties, and Shanghai had never lost an interport to Hong Kong ever. So that was a special night away in Shanghai. Uh, and then and the, when they came to Hong Kong, we managed to beat them 3-2, and I scored a hat-trick against them in that one. Um, so they, I think they started banning foreign players from joining the Hong Kong national team after that, because um, they, they wanted to get back to beating Hong Kong rather than losing. And nowadays, it's gone a little bit quiet at the moment, but about a year ago, it was quite crazy, the, the money that was being splashed in China on foreign players going over there to improve their football. The, the big thing in, in Chinese society is state. People want to be seen to be paying the most money, getting the biggest star. Um, that's just, and there's so many multi-billionaires in China. Um, that's just how it is. So the agents have caught on and getting any player they can. But they won't last long because the, the quality of life is very, very different to anything you could expect to your family in, you know, certainly in Europe. It's bit sad, really. But the national team's still doing okay, nicking a few results here and there. Obviously, in China, you was predominantly a goal scorer, but... As you said, when you was at Fulham and that, because it was only one sub, you were sort of like jack-of-all-trades. Do you have a favourite position? Yeah, centre-forward is always the, my most natural position. Because uh, I always thought, if I get one chance, I'll score. I didn't, never thought I needed three or four. Give me one chance, anywhere around the six you up on, I'd, I'd put it in the back of the net. The one thing I did learn from when I was in Belgium, uh, we had a coach at Lokeren called Amy Antonis who went on to manage the Belgian national side and Anderlecht. And I'll never forget, I went out there, first game of the season, home to uh, Racing Jet. We drew 1-1 and I scored. Uh, second game away in the Cup at Harold Becker, we won 3-1, I scored. The next game uh, away in Antwerp on Tuesday night, we won 1-0, I scored. Then we were playing Mechelen, who went on to be European champions that year, um, in live TV game which was a huge game for us, having a good start to the season. And I remember thinking, right, this is it. Huge game, this, live on TV. I'm going to really make my make mark here in Belgium. And he dropped me to the coach. You're joking. Don't play with, he said, we don't play with any forwards tonight. 5-5, um, five, five, uh, no forwards. Uh, we get a nil-nil draw. And we got a nil-nil draw, and they were high-fiving each other. And I was absolutely in shock. I think, what on earth is going on here? But I, I soon learned in Belgium. I learned more in Belgium than I learned in any other place in my whole career. Coaching was fantastic. It was all about technique and keeping possession. I was a better player in Belgium. In fact, away from home, I played centre half. I was a, I did a man-to-man marking job for the coach, and at home I played centre forward because I was quite good in the air physically. I could uh, upset defenders. So yeah, I, I learned both positions because I knew my role exactly what was required home and away 
So uh, I love my time in Belgium, but I'm afraid the family couldn't settle, so it was a case of having to come home. And obviously now you work for Skybet. You said you've done that for, what, 16 years or so. You, you must love it. I love it, yeah. It's, it's, if you could give me a blank piece of paper and say, right, write your job down, what you'd like to be, you'll do. Um, I'm probably doing it. But, I, you know, you have to work hard at what you do. I've researched everything whenever I, I, you know, I do politics, you name it. I've had to talk about it, uh, about betting side. Uh, so you have to know your stuff, so you have to grasp and make sure you're completely across your brief. Otherwise, you'll be out of the job. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's great, you know, that we sponsor the Football League. That just couldn't be any better. It's a dream come true to me. I, I go around lots of games. I've been up to Borough quite a bit this season, seen a few of their games. Bumped into a few of my ex-colleagues. I played lads with Steve Wood, who I went to school with in Bracknell. When I was 14, he played for Millwall. He's now an agent for Midas Sport. Uh, he was up there because George Fred, the left-back, his player. So, you know, it's wonderful when you go around meeting up with people completely randomly that you've not seen for 20, 30 years. Um, so, yeah, we've just signed a longer-term deal with the Football League as well. So, fingers crossed. I'll, uh, I did the presentation, actually, this year to Wolves for them winning the championship, which is hilarious because you get all the, the manager comes out and it's in the middle of the pitch and I walk out and, of course, me and the Sean Harvey from the Football League we get from the crowd, who the FNL are you? Uh, which is <laughs> great. And I, I, I wanted to tell them I actually scored in a 1-1 draw at Wolves for Huddersfield in 1985, but nobody had listened to me, so I didn't bother. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sure that would have ruined their um, their party. It would have ruined their party that day. Yeah, definitely. That would have told them. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I suppose that's it, really. The last question is pie or pasty? Pie or pasty? Oh, it's got to be a pie. I'm a northerner. It's fish and chips and pies. Oh, steak and potato pies when you're at football in a pot of overall. That's the first thing I go for when I get to a football ground. Sounds good, mate. Good, good man. All right, mate. Well, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Good luck with you know your career with Skybet and that. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Anytime you want anything like that, just give me a shout. Yeah, no, I will do, mate. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. Right, well, um, I'll speak to you soon. Will do. Cheers, Danny. Cheers. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye. Dal Tempest there, talking about his time at Fulham. I'd like to thank Dal for taking the time to speak to me, and I wish him all the best with the rest of his career with Skybet. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates when the latest Q&A will be released. There's plenty more to come over the summer, including a player who played a pivotal role from the Great Escape all the way through to the Europa League final, a member of Tagana's promotion season, as well as a couple more who played in the Premier League in between. Until then, my name's Danny Boyer, really hope you enjoyed this one, and thank you very much for listening.